Welcome to SMSF Mate, our general advice warning. We are required to warn you that any advice has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial situations or needs. And because of that, you should, before acting on any advice, consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial services and needs. Where the advice relates to the acquisition or possible acquisition of a particular financial product, you should obtain a product disclosure statement relating to that product and consider the PDS before making any decision about whether to acquire the product. Mate. <laughs> uh, welcome to SMSF, mate. Uh, today's topic is what type of investors are there and how we classify them or a guide to that. Ash, maybe you want to kick off from a yeah. um, an accountant's perspective or... I suppose, account certificate perspective? Yeah, so usually um, to be classified as a sophisticated investor, um, part of the opportunities or the wholesale um, opportunities around that, um, you need an accountant's letter. And that usually is around, most commonly, how much income, gross income that individual um, person earns or um, the assets that that person has. So the threshold is uh, $250,000 in gross income and... I think it's two and a half, or two and a half million in assets, net assets. So some people get caught up thinking their house is two and a half million. Um, I qualify. You've got to ta- factor in the mortgage in there. And some people also get confused and include their super assets in there. You can, if you're individual trustees in the super fund, I believe you can look through that way, your portion of the member. But if you've got a corporate trustee, it's actually segregated because your super fund is actually run by the company. So can't you've got to be very careful about how you added up as an account, when an account is preparing that letter. Um, but it also gives some some people the belief that, okay, I'm, I'm a sophisticated investor because of those sort of things. While the letter is just measuring those two aspects traditionally, do you actually understand what you're signing? Because that's part of it as well, right? So you might have all these opportunities in front of you as a wholesale investor or a sophisticated investor. Still doesn't exclude you from reading what you're entering into and what the terms are. And that's where the PDS or the disclosure requirements by the investment you're looking into is really important too. So, PDS being product disclosure statement. Thanks, Sonny. Uh, yeah, so you got to read through what you're investing. So yes, there's more opportunities available, but it doesn't exclude you from reading through anything you sign. So, you know, when you put your pen to paper, um, all that letter is doing is saying is you, you have the ability to potentially lose what investment you put in there because you're earned enough to recoup it or you have enough assets to um, to to live off the whatever you put in if it goes bad. That's all it is. It just introduces you to a higher risk investment. doesn't mean you should invest, um, but it just gives you that opportunity to take in opportunities that aren't, aren't available to retail investors because those retail investors have less ability to recover um, from these um, investments if they went bad. I'd certainly here. I'd encourage reading of our article on the website because it actually um, covers uh, the topic really well. But if we start focusing on some of the areas um, that are key to Ashwin's point, it's designed as a protection mechanism for retail or less sophisticated clients in their understanding of potentially complex and higher risk investments. Um, so, you know, it's designed. Um, initially around that quantitative metric where there's an assumption which is certainly changing um, that if you've got that mammon of money you have a level of sophistication around your investment decisions um, <coughs> nowadays and, and with the shift it's definitely more to a qualitative um, basis and factor and less focus and reliance on just 
um, the quantitative metrics that Ashwin mentioned, the 250k and 2.5 mil. Um, you know, it's really on the onus of the investor to to understand and make that decision. Um, from a protection point of view and advice delivery, um, there's less requirements from an advisor um, advising a wholesale client on a wholesale investment than there is a retail investment on a retail client. Um, <clears throat> but again, it, it really comes down to a qualitative um, assessment of the individual or the investor, regardless of the quantitative metrics around are they suitable, do they understand, um, in order to make the right decision. So from a, like a naive individual's point of view, <coughs> um, having not been too familiar with the terms, uh, I think the point is that there's a, a whole heap of investment products available that is not available to people who are not sophisticated investors for the point of trying to protect them from potentially larger risks. Correct. Yep. Mm. Yep. And, and even if you are a sophisticated or wholesale investor, when, when you're looking at these opportunities, you've still got to go in with the mindset that money is at a higher risk. So you still don't put all your eggs in one basket sort of situation. You proportionally go, well, if it's a higher risk, how much am I going to put away? Because it usually comes with terms of liquidity. So you can't get the money out quickly generally because it might be in a, you know, unlisted company that's waiting for listing, which could take two to three years. So your money's there. You can't access access it straight away. It's not like a a listed share and things like that. So all of those things yeah, have to be It might be 30 done. days to get out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know. it could be, could be the next yeah. day if the shares, right? So that the whole thing is a protection point for retail um, investors. So just be aware of all of those things when you're going in. So you might qualify as a sophisticated investor. It doesn't mean, oh, yeah, these, these opportunities aren't available to retail investors, so I should, should put more into it. That's not the thought process in my, my headspace anyway. So. And investors have got to be aware of that when they're – you know, brought opportunities that are wholesale-only opportunities. Um, you'll have, um, you know, certain groups and advisors that will simply ask for an accountant's letter and right. say, do they meet these quantitative metrics and therefore I'm going to expose you to this investment and these risks when it might not be suitable for, you know, the individual, their investment strategy, their portfolio, um, and they hang their hat on the fact that they've got a certain amount of assets or a certain amount of income. Yeah. Mm. So would it be right in that the the accountant, no offence to Ashwin, uh, it's technically not their job to check whether or not that investment is suitable or not. They're oh, just filling. Yeah, we we won't be checking. No. Yeah, you're, you're just saying yes. You meet the test. Here's my letter of proof to say yep. you're validated against this. Because the letter will generally be one of the conditions to invest in that product. Um, so all it is is ticking one of the boxes that this person is a sophisticated investor. We're not reviewing the investment or looking at anything right. like that. We would need a financial license to do that. So some people will go through with a financial planner um, who's presenting the opportunity to do that. But again, as a wholesale investor, as Sonny mentioned earlier, the responsibility of the advisor isn't at the same threshold as a retail investor. So again, if you're not sure what you're signing, don't sign it because you shouldn't be part of that investment. That's first step, right? So, um, and if you're not sure, get clarification. You can get a lawyer. You can get a financial advisor to explain the risk. You can even ask for a statement of advice so they can outline it for you if you're not sure. And if you're someone that has got you know $2.5 million or you earn $250,000, paying for that advice before you put your money in it is it's probably smart. worth it. So um, that's the whole purpose, I think. Very good. And, I mean, have you had any experience in that space recently? And, like, what what are some examples of a of a product which would 
fall into that wholesale classification? Well, I can probably provide a personal experience on that in that I, and I'm pretty sure this is my little story on the website somewhere, is I went to a financial advisor and was not even, the the, the, the question wasn't even asked and I don't think you, you generally um, know as an individual unless someone told you or you heard it at a bar or read it on a website whether or not you do or, do, or don't meet the test or I've got a really terrible accountant, who knows. Um, but the I think I, most people will find themselves probably pigeonholed into what a retail run-of-the-mill bank or financial planner and when say retail that it, it, there's a terminology called a retail investor which is if you're not a sophisticated wholesale investor then you are a retail investor that's right yeah, yeah. these guys are nodding so yeah. for, for those people that are not watching a video <laughs> that was a nod from three people uh, <clears throat> so i think that's the first thing is i, I just didn't even know that that thing existed um, and then once you do know that that exists there's a whole suite of new products and opportunities that are available to the to you if you tick that box so those it wasn't like you go to the financial planner or the bank and the bank says well if you're a retail investor you can have these ones if you're a sophisticated investor you can have these ones uh, or you can have access to those things it's just assumed that you're not a sophisticated investor and so you get pushed down a path um, I, I would probably say generally most people are retail investors that's probably why the assumptions there but when you see an advisor you're usually supposed to fill out a fact find and on that fact find you should write down what your income is write down what your assets are so from that most advisors at that point will identify whether the potential is there to be a sophisticated investor because they would have had all the information so so a, g- a good legitimate financial well, advisor yeah, would well, ask I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's best practice yeah. regardless yeah. of right. the quantitative yeah right? someone could have 10 million dollars and i've had inherited it and not have a, a single um, amount of in investment or financial experience right. before yep. um you know from a quantitative perspective they'll meet the metrics but are they, are they right sophisticated? Um, are they going to be able to make the right decision if um, you know an advisor that's not undertaking best practice, even beyond those financial numbers, to then make sure that the you know the investor has a qualitative experience or understanding? Yeah. So what you're really saying is there's actually two parts to the test. There's one, yes, you tick the box that you've got sufficient capital and investment funds to do this, yeah. and number two, you've got sufficient brain power to know. What you're doing, correct. but also the, probably the third one is also: is there a need for it, right? So there's some people right. who's yeah. Let's say your living cost is a retirement is only eighty thousand dollars a year. If you've already got the surplus assets that's going to provide that without taking these risks, well, maybe you don't need to go down the path of taking unnecessary risk. So you know that's where you need the holistic um, advice piece before you undertake this, and then you sort of know where your investment strategy and, and planning should be around that. But I think people are allowed to go to the casino. And they're allowed to risk a lot. Yep. And there's no one at the door saying, oh, you're a retail or you're a, you know, it's kind of, you know, if you compare it to the casino, it's, it's almost like going to the high roller room, you know, in a basic sense. Yeah. Like, I, 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 would, I would say in some way, but I suppose if you're using super money to do that, um, that's right. when you should probably get advice because that's going to set up for your retirement versus... You know, a gamble using, using yeah. one week's paycheck. Uh, I, th- I think for and my the outcomes <laughs> and risks are probably a little less binary. Yes. You know, there's more complexity to them. Um, yeah, you know, someone might know the difference between red and black, and <laughs> being able to put something down, but then you know, understanding either the term of investment or you know the um, you know the risks that are associated yeah. with it, or, and whether 
they're representative of the potential return, that, that's something else. And I think that's what I'm really understanding from this conversation is there's actually two parts to it rather mm. than a simple yay, nay, you're that box or that box. Yep. And if you are a sophisticated or wholesale investor, it doesn't mean you don't you, – you, you can still have retail products, yeah, right? Yes. You yeah. know, so I think it's it's kind of like you can – then you've got more choice. Yep. If you uh, – and then, and then you're – way of investing that your money in those products is a separate a separate part too. And it's not a case that wholesale products are better than retail products. Mm. No. Um, there's just a different suite. And I think that's a really rather. important point, you know, like I think the perception is it's kind of like the the high roller room, you've got better odds or better, you know, you know, you get nicer cocktails or something in, in that department. But yeah, it's more they're different products rather than better products. No. Yeah, that's agree with that are, are they products that wholesale products that just haven't been got gone through that classification process like are they they have to be approved as retail so they could just be like a younger fund or you know something along those it, it lines it could be something like that sometimes it's also the product themselves don't have the the, the funds available to get it to a retail product um, stage or they don't um, have don't need that in that level of funding to get what they're going going. So if it's a startup company um, that's planning to list in two or three years, to go through a full, to list on the uh, ASX, do the prospectus, everything else, there's a lot of cost involved in that. They'll do what they call pre-seed or seed money to get it going. So the risks are higher, but the potential upside is there, but it also has just as much risk of going down. While doing the prospectus and listing on the ASX is a totally different, risk profile for someone coming in so um you know if you look at any recent ipo that would have been pre-seed money that came through um those people took a higher risk and most likely was in the wholesale space to get into those investments so is it right then if i so if i wanted to start a fund or and be uh, then it is more expensive and more time consuming to make it a retail compliant fund than it is to make it a wholesale sophisticated fund. Yep. Absolutely. Right. And I think that goes to Tim's point. There's um, you know, there's a lot of funds out there currently or start up um, in a wholesale fashion because of, you know, cost restrictions. Right. Um, you know, and structural restrictions as well, um, and additional requirements that are needed for retail funds. They might need to get the fund going in the first part, you know, prove the investment, you know, thematic and then gain additional traction and support in terms of investment inflows before they can afford or it makes a good business case right. to turn into retail. Yep. Now, um, And then that obviously means they've got to perform better, make higher returns, take more risk because they're paying out more the oversight, there's more right. regulation, um, there's more disclosure. And there's also the potential that those funds now get more money, they've got to look for more opportunities and maybe they don't have the staffing level to, to do that or it's not in the inclination to change the profile of the fund to look for more opportunities. So, you know, right. if you all of a sudden become a public or retail fund and all of a sudden there's an inflow of a lot of money and your, you know, your metric is to look for opportunities, now you've got all this extra cash to find opportunities, maybe that doesn't line up with what they wanted to do in the first place. So it might be a strategic thing as well within the fund. What I'm hearing is there's, uh, you might be wholesale, but you may not be sophisticated. So the word, mm. maybe the word's That's a, a good bit summary. confusing. Yeah. Let's be frank. It is Everyone, very confusing, uh, yeah. Every, well, most people would like to think themselves as either sophisticated or a <laughs> yeah. professional investor. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a good summary, Tim. Um, yeah, yeah it's definitely two parts, right? You it know? would be great because I, I try to look for it. It would be great if there was a course that people could sit to 
test sophisticated concepts. Um, there was obviously another exemption that you can pass on education basis, but a lot of people haven't gone through a full degree to, to qualify under that basis. So you would need a different way of doing uh, things. So maybe people could sit a course in on top of passing the assets and income test and that would give everyone the peace of mind that you are sophisticated, but that line is still blurred effectively. Mm. Also doesn't stop day. people from making a silly decision, right? So no, no. Well, we're all uh, guilty of that. Um, humans. Yeah. Yeah, objectivity around that and, um, you know, that's where you know, a broader advice set, even from a wholesale perspective, um, counts. Um, you know, there's certain specialities in different areas of investment, um, but then that whole objectivity piece around looking at it through, you know, through a different lens or a fresh set of eyes, regardless of someone's expertise. Yeah. Um, that's why even investment committees for investment funds still exist. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, look, I, I still personally view whenever I have any investment in, in, in those sort of frame of minds, you've got to be willing to part with that money. That, that's the way it, it, it's effectively. You mean lose it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we say part, sorry, it's parted. You mean lose it? It's parted and it may not come Is back. Is it like temporary part? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, that implies you're getting it back. <laughs> so it's gone. It might Do you need to admit something, actually? <laughs> no, 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 no. If my wife's listening, I might be in trouble now. But, uh, but that's effectively how I view it. Once it's it's out, it's, it's gone and, and hopefully it does come yeah. back and I'll still mm. reveal it and update it within my uh, overview of my portfolio, but it's effectively gone. But it's as good as spending it at the pub. But yeah. don't be, I think the point is don't be afraid also to ask um, ask whether you should be investing yep. or ask somebody whether you should be investing um, in wholesale products yep. um, right. and making sure that you do have a, an understanding of them. And is that, a, is that an answer a financial advisor is allowed to give? Yes. Right. In short. Yeah. So you know, to so I could ask a financial advisor, should I should I be a wholesale investor and should I buy this wholesale product? They they can provide the yes or no <laughs> advice. Correct. Yep. yep. So whereas to Ashwin's point before, accountants can just say yes, you, you meet you these aren't. metrics. Right. Um, financial advisors, even if they get that letter, um, you know, best um, practice. best practice still suggests that you need to have a conversation with the client to gauge their understanding. Um, before you recommend a product, right, um, a- and the the investment fund manager doesn't care either way. Not so much. There's, <laughs> some new, there's um, new requirements called um, target market determinations now, or TMDs, where the fund managers have to provide some guidance and stipulate the type of investor who's suitable for right. their fund now, right. um, which is relatively new in terms of the back end of last year. Um, with that, there is more oversight from not only the fund managers but then the broader distributors of those funds um, like wrap products and platforms um, that need to um, keep an eye on what investments are being made in certain funds. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, if I fill in the form, I fill in the form, I've got my letter, it's up to me to have made that decision. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So really, a financial advisor plays an important part in deciding whether you should or shouldn't make that decision. If a wholesale investor chooses yeah. to get the advice, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, and 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 you as the wholesale investor chooses to you know go down that path, and yeah, 
which is part of you know if you're reading through whatever application you're filling out if you're not comfortable with it that's what you or should don't be. know what the words say <laughs> you should be engaging <laughs> yeah. the financial advisor yeah. for some clarity and then still make a decision after that advice piece very good beautiful all right first one done that seemed like good content yeah i don't think we missed anything particularly no. I think it was good clarification on lots of points because mm. it is really misleading. And oh. If you Google what is wholesale investor, you get yeah. like a one paragraph. You yeah. know, amount of mates that now qualify yeah. shouldn't be doing this shit. Yeah, right. Shit. This is the thing. Yeah, like a lot of people. You know, yeah, a lot of people. I think probably do qualify without knowing. Thank you for joining us once again. If you're interested in our waffle about self-managed super funds, feel free to join us on smsfmate.com.au or search SMSFMate in Spotify.